Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotions, emotion regulation, resilience, anxiety, anxiety management. I am in my Parent Trap series where I'm talking about all the traps that we fall into. And it's not just parents. It's parents at home, teachers in the classroom, adults with children in general. I do have lots of traps that we could go into, and I will be talking about more traps in the coming weeks, but I just want to make sure that we're focusing on, because I talked about accommodations last week, which are so critical to to promote our kiddos' independence and their resilience. I did want to make sure today that I focused on those extinction behaviors, because we need to know there's going to be a fallout, and we need to know how to handle those fallouts effectively. Because a lot of adults will throw in the towel saying nothing's worked, right? And then they end up reverting back to old, unhelpful habits, old, unhelpful accommodations that are crippling our kiddos' resilience because they're experiencing that extinction burst. And so that's where the child's behavior gets worse before it gets better. I'm always talking about how it gets worse before it gets better. And we need to expect that. We need to get on offense and be proactive and know how to handle those things. I know I've talked about extinction bursts before, but I really wanted to dedicate this episode specifically to that piece because it's such a major barrier for a lot of adults, um, especially parents, right? When when we're trying to get our kiddos out the door in the morning, it's just easier to like just do everything for them. So we don't have the big freak out or the same thing at bedtime. It's just easier to let them sleep with us so that we don't have to have the big meltdown. In the context of childhood anxiety, when adults start to reduce those accommodations, and, and, and any accommodations, any support that we've been giving our children, there's that initial escalation in the anxiety, the anxious behavior. It could just be the withdrawal and the meltdown or panic attacks. Um, so when the demands, you know, are put on them and they don't have those same supports, it can be quite extreme. And so that's why we really want to be prepared for that because it is part of the process. Because otherwise, like I said, we're going to throw in those towels, say, you know, the strategies aren't working. We're making it worse. They're they're feeling more anxious. We're disrupting our attachment. We create all of these big stories about why we can't change and why we can't take out those accommodations. So we just want to make sure that everyone knows about these extinction bursts know how to prepare ourselves for potential escalation behaviors, which, like I said, is a normal part of the process. Now, it's not to say that it's for sure going to happen, but we want to, you know, expect that they might. Now, a big example is when children with separation anxiety can't sleep on their own. This is usually the biggest pushback that we see. So we need to establish a bedtime routine that includes them sleeping in their own room, right? absolutely, it is going to increase their distress. We need to be ready for that. But we need them to learn to sleep independently. We don't want them being 17, 18, you know, really wanting to, and now they're not sleeping at all because they never learned how to sleep on their own. So those extinction bursts, like I said, it's such a natural part of the process. I cannot reinforce that enough because it never feels good. And that's how we get sucked into the anxiety when our own distress is starting to escalate, right? So we 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 never want to get our children angry. We don't want to get angry with our children either, right? But this is part of, I mean, it makes sense even just from their perspective, you know, 
their usual coping mechanism. So whatever accommodations we have provided by sleeping with them or being with them until they fall asleep, it's no longer available. They've never had the opportunity to do it on their own. So it can create a lot of confusion and frustration. It can increase the anxiety and all of the related behaviors that come with that anxiety as they try to regain that lost sense of security or control that they had. So it makes sense from their perspective that we're going to see that increase in anxiety, but it's temporary. We just got to be able to ride that wave of challenge ourselves. And so do they. It is temporary. And we got to know that. Now, you're not going to do this if you don't already have a strong attachment, strong relationship with your children, right? So it's it's not about disrupting the attachment. You have that and you're going to be working collaboratively with them. But there's no way to overcome this until, you know, they're able to manage all of that on their own. So before we start changing our behaviors, we want to anticipate the possible ways that children might react to make a plan on how we're going to respond effectively in a way that doesn't reinforce any negative behavior. It doesn't shape something worse because oftentimes that happens too. We're holding our line. We're holding our line. We're following our plan. We're following a plan. And then they do something like jump out their bedroom window. And I've actually had a child do that before. Jump out their window now that got mom and dad's attention. And guess what? Now, tomorrow night, I'm just going to jump right out the window. I'm not going to do all of these other things because I know jumping out the window is going to get their attention. So we shape their behaviors worse. We don't want to do that, right? We don't want to have to do that. So think about how might this extinction behavior show up, right? Everyone's different, but it could be uh, more frequent crying, more intense crying, anxiety, tantrum, clinginess, whatever they're showing, it could just be an increase in intensity. Um, we might see increased opposition, anger, defiance, threats, right? Whether it's bodily harm to you or to themselves. So when we're removing those accommodations, we're not giving those, you know, they they might even throw out those threats whatever it is to suck us back in, right? So we want to make sure that we're thinking about what are those extremes that might happen for our children. Some children might temporarily revert to earlier developmental behaviors. So we might see bedwetting, we might see thumb sucking. Now we got to make sure that they are actually developmentally prepared and it's appropriate. I'm going to tell you though, you know, Within two days, I knew my baby couldn't sleep with me. There was no way anybody was getting any sleep. And so within two days, as an infant, she learned to sleep in her own crib by herself. It was for everybody's well-being. So, you know, I, I think oftentimes, and, and they do learn to start self-soothing within a couple of months. So we can start looking at these things. But for us to manage these extinction bursts effectively, we need to make sure that we have that plan, right? So that we can manage our own stress. That's step number one. How are we going to manage our own stress when these behaviors escalate, right? So that we're not escalating the situation or shaping those worst behaviors. And so we have to have a strong coping strategy, a, a strong plan plan for our own coping first, right? Just to manage all of the stress and frustration um, so that we can remain calm, we can remain composed no matter what behaviors are coming out. Children are often looking to, to the adults in their life for cues on how to react in stressful situations and they learn by watching us. So it's so important that we are modeling that calm, even as you know things are getting escalated. 
So even throughout your days and your weeks coming up, constantly modeling how you handle frustration, how you model disappointment and fear and coping in a healthy way. So we want to make sure we're doing all of those things. We're sort of laying that groundwork, but then looking at what is it that you need? So no matter what the behaviors are, however bad they get, how are you able to stay calm and neutral and supportive and confident for them? right? So then we're going to make sure that we are consistent in our responses because the inconsistency that really confuses kids and it can potentially enhance the behavior that you're trying to change or shape to an even worse behavior. So we want to make sure we're consistent with whatever the plan is. And if you're not sure, like, I don't know if I can, you know, implement this plan forever. Well, it's not a forever plan. Make it to Wednesday. Maybe it's just one night for tonight. We're going to try this. Ideally, I would say you want to put in a plan for a week, but then so then you can talk yourself through, okay, it's just till Friday. It's just till Friday. It's just till Friday, right? And then we know and we can tell our kids it's till Friday. So thank you for telling me this plan isn't working as they're freaking out. We can validate. Thank you for telling me you don't like this plan. Look, Friday is when we said we're going to look at it to tweak it. So we're getting on the offensive when we're dealing with these extinction bursts. So we're we're taking a very proactive and mindful approach. The goal is to be aware of your behaviors and the potential impacts that your behaviors have while also ensuring, you know, we're we're as part of that we're not reinforcing or escalating any undesirable behaviors during the challenging time. So that's first and foremost, okay? Now, there's things that we can do to make the disruption in accommodations not as shocking for our children. So, you know, you could remove all accommodations, do a cold turkey at once, but you could also focus on one thing at a time. I like collaborating with kids, right? If we start saying, hey, kiddo, I want you to start sleeping in your own room by yourself. Look at what you're already doing and and seeing what you can start making them the boss of or them being in charge of. So you could start relatively easy, right? What's something that's relatively easy so that they can learn to be successful doing something on their own and you can learn to be successful not accommodating and and being able to see the child be successful, okay? So maybe it's, uh, we're not starting with the bed. Maybe it's just they're taking over their bedtime routine, getting their pajamas on or brushing their teeth, for example. So you could start something like that, but I'm always collaborating with kids and I would say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the absolute hardest, that would be, I say goodnight from downstairs, you go upstairs, you get yourself ready for bed and tuck yourself into bed. That's a 10 and you go right to sleep, lights out. One being what we're doing now. Okay. So there's a variation within there. So maybe, you know, an, an age would be You're going upstairs, you're doing your bedtime routine all by yourself, you're getting yourself into bed, but then I'm coming in and reading a story, right? And I'll be there until you're getting tired. So we can we can start or even until you fall asleep. And then it's just easier if they're still awake, we kind of go down. Where on the scale do you want to go? What what do you think that you're ready for? You could do it that way, but whatever you choose to do, we got to make sure that we're letting children know what we're changing. Right. So that's why I like creating the plan together because they're part of it. And so once you've written it down, yes, they're still going to escalate, but it's a lot easier. It's like, oh man, this is the plan that we made together. Sounds like you don't like the plan anymore. Well, look, Friday, we're going to tweak it, but this is what we've made together. It makes it a lot better. But 
so I always write it down. And if they're not willing to participate in that plan, it's okay, right? You still don't have to do the things that you're doing to accommodate. So writing a letter outlining the plan is really helpful. So if they are pushing back, you can simply just point to the plan. You don't even have to get into all the verbal tug of war. We don't want to get into that, right? That That's just going to get everyone escalated. And we want to get out of that power struggle. So writing it down so that you just need to point to it and they might rip it up, have a backup copy or whatever it is so that they know what the plan is. But it's really important, no matter what, you're able to stay calm, cool, collected. All of that's going to be really important. We're not reacting. Okay. Even with a major behavioral blow up, we are non-reactive. No matter what that extinction burst looks like, we need to validate their experience. Oh, you don't like this plan. Oh, this is really hard. So we're still validating. We're still supportive. We're just not reinforcing those anxious behaviors. And so we're not going to say, you wrote this plan. You signed it right here. We're not getting into that. It's just, oh man, we made this plan and it sounds like you're really not liking it. Oh, that sucks, right? I always say respond with an adjective. If you haven't heard me talk about that before, respond with an adjective. Oh, this is really hard. You don't need to say anything. Saying anything else is just going to go in one ear and out the other anyway. So depending on how escalated the kiddos get, we can we can direct them to use their coping skills, encourage their independence with confidence, right? We can say, oh, you don't like this plan. So what's next? What are we going to do next, right? We still ensure that they feel heard and understood. That's always the most important thing, that they feel that we understand their feelings, okay? And it's okay for them to feel upset. So we're validating their emotions without reinforcing the negative behavior, without reinforcing avoidance. That validation is so critical in anything that we do. So we want to make sure we're doing that. Now, that's assuming, you know, they're still, they're just freaking out but they're still able to engage. Their prefrontal cortex isn't completely offline. If there is a major meltdown though, and I'm talking, you know, they've escalated so much that they're just, you know, blind with their emotion. Um, Again, any talking we do is just going to escalate the problem. So we just want to give them that space. We can still validate. So we can see, I can see you're really upset with this plan. You know, I I can see you're really upset about having to go to bed on your own. I'm just going to sit here. Let me know when you're ready right? That's all we need to say. I'm still here. I can see you're upset. I'm still here for you and I'll be here. That's it. And we just create that space. It's kind of like the snow globe. If you haven't heard me talk about that analogy, right? If you've got the snow globe and it's all shook up and the snow is everywhere, we want to let it settle. How do you let it settle? You're not going to talk to the snow globe and shake it up and try to, you know, we're just going to make it worse. So we want to put that snow globe down and just sit back and watch and give it that space. So on that note, when we make our plan, again, we want to make sure kids do have the coping skills, right? That they do have the steps that they need to do whatever, you know, whatever it is that we're going to expect them to do. So with very clear expectations all laid out for them, what they need to do, um, what can they do when they start getting upset? What is the adult going to do through this whole thing when they're calm, when they're upset, you know, so Maybe it's, you're, we're going to do our normal routine. I'm going to come into the bed. I'm going to read two stories, sing one song, and then I'm going to get up and leave. Maybe it's one hug, one kiss. Like you just want to lay out everything very specifically. And it's going to say, this is what mommy or daddy is going to be doing. 
And this is what the kid was doing. And this is true too, even if you've got teenagers and yes, I still have teenagers who are still sleeping in their parents' room, right? You're just going to change the language to make it developmentally appropriate for them. So we want to make sure that they have the skills, what they they can do in that time. Now, here's the thing. We want to make sure we know what our goal is. Ideally, the goal is that they're going to go right to bed, tuck up under their blankets and go to sleep. But but realistically, the goal is for them to spend their the night in their room by themselves. So, you know, they might be up all night doing something, reading a book. And I know my daughters used to do that. That's okay. The job was they can't come out of their room until their alarm goes off at 630 or whatever time, you know, we're going to set. So that's the rule. They know they can come out when. And so if they come out before then, this is how I'm going to respond. And I lay that all out in the plan right? Back to bed, back to bed, back to bed. I'm going to be a broken record. So they know exactly how I'm going to respond. Yeah, they're not going to like it, but we've already proactively told them beforehand. And hopefully we've collaborated and agreed on that plan. So so that laying it all out is is just as important for them as it is for us as well, right? So when it does show up, we can just follow that plan and then we can check in in the next day. But making sure, you know, what is it that they can do? Not just don't come out. It's what can you be doing in your room? And and we, we don't want to force all of these rules and expectations that they're staying in your bed and you're quiet and you're falling right back to sleep. Maybe it's they can read in bed. Um, we want to help them learn to problem solve as well. You know, so discussing possible solutions if they're like, well, what if, what if, what if? Okay, well, what do you think about that? You know, especially if they have any frustrations or fears that come up. Now, when they're successful, we absolutely need to acknowledge their efforts, right? You might even consider having a reward system for managing anxiety on their own, for coping, for staying in the room without any accommodations or safety behaviors, and ensure that we, you know, we're focusing on all the behaviors we do want to see. Even outside of what we're targeting, we want to always focus on the behaviors we do want to see. And that's where we're laying all of our attention. I love tickets. Like this is just for sleep example, but tickets can be used all the time. So maybe there's a three tickets a week. If you absolutely need to come out, there is an emergency and you need to come out and you've got your ticket, you can come out with your ticket, right? And so then I know I can engage, I can talk, I can do whatever it is. Maybe it's a comforting ticket or whatever it is. But once those tickets are gone, you know, what are you going to do? It doesn't look like you have any more tickets. Now, here's the great thing. If they keep their tickets at the end of the week, they they don't use them. Any ones that are left over, they can cash them in. And I would say, you know, for for doing something fun that they, you know, wouldn't otherwise be able to get. So then they really have to think about, do I want to use up my ticket? Is this actually an emergency? Now, if all of this sounds like it's too much, you know, it can be certainly, but booking an appointment with someone, getting some professional guidance through this can can really be helpful because the managing the extinction bursts can be exhausting. So again, you're going to make sure you're taking care of your own mental and emotional health when it comes to sleep time stuff. I tell parents, don't do it until you have a good week period that you know you could dedicate to this with the expectation that you might not be going to sleep for that week, right? Because you're just redirecting, 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 following the plan. It shouldn't take a week, but I like to say that just so that we've got a week. So then parents can feel like, oh, it only took two nights of sleepless nights, you know, of doing this plan. 
but making sure you lean on that support system and hanging in there. At the end of the day, reducing those accommodations is so absolutely necessary to foster their independence, their ability to manage their anxiety and their resilience. And so those extinction bursts are very challenging. And those are usually the huge barrier that we need to overcome because we just get sucked into the anxiety, right? With with those escalations. And it's such a challenging phase for the kids, but for us around them as well. So I, I wanted to make sure I inserted this episode here because we have to learn to navigate that period with the consistent supportive approach. Next week, I'm going to be going into um, other ways to... Um, you know, avoid, well, in the coming weeks, I'm going to be addressing more traps. And, but next week specifically, I'm actually going to go into a very specific framework for addressing these extinction bursts. So you don't want to miss that one. I I will leave it there for today because today was just more about getting our, our mind on, on this topic, just knowing, oh yeah, even if you look at anytime I do something differently, the behaviors get worse. Right. And then we're like, oh, just kidding. And we go back. Like, this is a real process that we need to work through. So today it was just bringing your awareness to this. If you had tried reducing accommodations and you saw some of those behaviors, well, that's why this is what's going on. And so we just want to, for now, Keep looking at your accommodations that are happening. What are some accommodations that we can start taking away? What can we start getting children to do more independently on their own? And let's start looking proactively about what some of those extinction burst behaviors could look like, right? So that we can start navigating. And then next week, I'll be giving you a specific framework that we could be looking at um, on how to address this more effectively. But the most important piece for now is validating. This is hard. I can, I recognize this is really hard. Period. We don't want to add our butts, our big butts get in the way. So we're validating and then we're going to be showing confidence. So what's next? And if you've got your plan, it'll be easy to know what's next, what's next, what's next. But, anyways, I'll leave it there for today. Go have a lovely day. Help those kiddos be bold and courageous. And I will see you next week. 